You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Face all your fears, drink it at me. There's so many donuts on them back streets. Sit so high in the nosebleeds. Feel like I can fly. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S. Bleeds is your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how you doing, my man? Good, man. Good, man. How was your weekend, man? It was good. Just celebrated my nephew's first birthday. So happy birthday to him. Shout out, shout out. Yes, sir. But, I mean, we had a lot of stuff going on this past weekend, a lot of juicy stuff, both in football and basketball. So let's get straight into it. But let's start off. We haven't done this in a while. On this day, January 13th, last year, actually, 2020, college football national championship game was played in New Orleans. LSU beat Clemson 42-15. to Take a listen. As they say in the bayou, laissez-la bon temps rouler. Let the good times roll. LSU sits on the throne of college football. As they knock out the defending champs, an offensive onslaught, 628 yards. I mean, that LSU team was no joke last year could honestly arguably the greatest college football team in college football history who do you think i mean definitely had one of the greatest possibly the greatest quarterback in college football history in joe burrow i mean the records that he set, the and just not only like how he did it uh but the competition that he had to go up against i think is also something that you have to look at the fact that they destroyed Alabama in that key matchup and the fact that they went ahead and in the national championship made a Clemson team that had just won the national championship the previous season look like boys I mean they just dominated from start to finish and that LSU team last year definitely was a team that nobody won any type of smoke with yeah, for sure. I mean, one team that might have is this year's Alabama team because they just won the national championship against Ohio State. They won 52 to 24, capturing their 16th national championship, which is the second most all time behind Yale. And Mr. Nick Saban, he won his seventh national championship, passing Bear Bryant with the most in NCAA history as a coach. He actually won six with Alabama and one with LSU. So, I mean, Mac Jones was saying that this could be the greatest college team ever to play uh i mean but that lsu team i think they're saying uh-uh thank y'all forgot about us last year yeah exactly i think you gotta look at you know even going way back i mean you look at tim tebow's florida teams you look at um miami hurricanes way back in the day i think alabama this year had a really potent offense but if you look at their defense their defense was I it just wasn't on the same level as some of the premier college football defenses we've seen historically in years past. So that's why I can't crown this team as the greatest team of all time, but definitely one of the most 
proficient offenses you will see. Probably exactly why one of their star players in Devontae Smith has such a career year and definitely a, 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 an amazing game in this natty game. I mean, dude had three touchdowns before halftime and had more yardage than Ohio State at the half. Like, this dude just literally was putting up – I saw you said on Twitter, because he was putting up QB numbers at halftime and was making it look so dang easy. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah, there's a reason why he won the Heisman, the first wide receiver to win a Heisman in a long, long time, and rightfully so. And, I mean, he's going to be a for sure top 10 pick, maybe even a top five pick. Could we see him pairing up with his old teammate, Tua? We'll see. I don't know. He'll still be there. Oh, that's true, too. But, I mean, he also has Jalen Hurts at number five with the Eagles as well. Sorry, with number six with the Eagles. So, he could be teaming up with some old Alabama teammates. But since we're on the topic of the NFL, let's get into it. We had a crazy wild card weekend, and let's go over. We're going to go over some of the games. Last episode, if you guys did not catch it, we had Milton Sports Corner on the episode. Make sure you guys go give him a follow on Twitter. Um, and we posted a little bit of a competition of a pick little tournament between the five of us. So we posted on twitter we'll be getting their picks for this divisional round at the end of this week before the game so make sure you stay in tune with that but let's go over the wild card game just a short little recap first game we had on saturday was the colts versus the bills bills won 27 to 24 finally won a playoff game since december 1995 that's 25 years and josh allen was carving up this colts defense accumulated almost 400 yards and three touchdowns but philip rivers still showing he had some gas left in the tank Mm -hmm. and he was going blow for blow with arguably the hottest offense in the nfl all the way to the end of the game but the bills ultimately won what was your thoughts on this game i mean i felt like the Bills, once it hit like 2014, I thought they were just going to just waltz away with it late fourth quarter. It looked like this was a dead duck. And then here comes, like you said, Phillip Rivers and the Colts offense. It wasn't just how they responded. It was how quickly they responded. Because like this team, like literally just boom, 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 boom. Like let like a minute, maybe a little bit over a minute. It just took them on multiple drives to get right into the end zone and make this a game again. And that's probably cause for concern maybe going forward if you're the Bills. But I think also you just look at how this game ended. I think that was the story for me. Multiple just what on earth are you doing? Are you blind decision-making from the referees? Um, I I, I felt that first and foremost, the Colts fumbled. And then the game should have already been over because the Bills would have recovered it. And then they look at the replay and then they're like, "Um, it – the call stands. He did not fumble. He maintained uh, he maintained possession of the ball, and the Colts still had a chance. So, I mean, there was just so many different times late on in the game that I was just like, oh, my God. I felt like the Bills probably were going to either lose it or the Colts. It just felt like the referees almost were trying to give the Colts opportunity after opportunity to still maybe throw like a late uh, – uh, hell Murray <laughs> 2.0 on the Bills again, but they learned their lesson. They learned their lesson from that game against the Cardinals. So I think ultimately it's a great thing for Buffalo. I'm sure they're celebrating by destroying numerous amounts of tables uh, this week. But overall, I think that this was a good win for Buffalo. And I think you just got to survive in advance at this point. 
Bills Mafia for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting for the Colts this offseason seeing they have a big decision to make at QB, whether they trade for one, whether Phillip Rivers comes back or whatever it may be. Yeah, draft for one maybe. Yeah, potentially. All right, let's move on. We have the second matchup of Saturday, the Rams versus Seahawks. This was basically round three of the NFC West matchup when the Rams won 30 to 20. The first, the the crazy thing was Walford. He was starting at QB, had to be transported to a hospital after a neck injury, forcing Jared Goff to play the remainder of the games. But the Rams, they relied heavily on their run game, and it worked because their defense only allowed the Seahawks 278 yards. I guess you could say the only bright spot for the Seahawks was DK Metcalf, but that was towards mm-hmm. the end of the game, and I think it was too little too late. But um, what were your thoughts on this game? Uh, I was kind of shocked at how the Seahawks kind of just didn't show up in this game. I fully expected the Seahawks, especially with uh, Russell Wilson and the fact that they seemed like they were pretty much healthy. But once again, yet again, as they had been so consistently doing all season long, the defense just was not there to pick up Russ. And the offensive line, yet again, just was not there to pick up Russ. This man got pressured so many different times. Aaron Donald was getting up in there, was putting him on the turf. And I think that uh, the biggest thing going into this offseason that the Seahawks are going to finally have to address is can they get some protection for Russell Wilson? Because you got weapons for him. The defense maybe also needs some improvement as well. But you need to help get Russell Wilson some protection because if you're going to commit so much money to him, if you're going to pay him as well as well he deserves to be paid, you got to get that man some protection. Otherwise, he's going to get his career shortened year after year after year. And we would hate to see that happen to such a special talent like uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think the Seahawks will have a long offseason, especially since they just let go their offensive coordinator of three years. So it's back to the drawing board for the Seahawks. And And also no first round pick as well, because they gave that up for Jamal Adams. So, I mean, Jets fans were probably having such a good laugh watching the Rams win this one because they were, uh, you know, hey, I mean, Jamal Adams, at least he got into the playoffs, got to experience that. But overall, I think he probably isn't satisfied with going out in round one. So I think that uh, overall, it's looking like a win-win so far for both uh, the Jets and the Seahawks. But we'll see if the Seahawks can bounce back next year. Next, we had the Saturday night game, which was Washington football team versus the Buccaneers. One of the more intriguing games of the week. The Bucs won 31 to 23 and Taylor Heineke. Just remember that name because that guy showed heart just a month ago. Dude was studying for finals, and now he's out here going blow for blow with Tom Brady so, and this Bucks offense. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was just a fun game to watch. Everyone was – even if you do or you are a Tom Brady fan, you were just rooting for Washington just because, I mean, you have this guy coming from the XFL basically going blow to blow with the greatest of all time. So, it was so fun to watch. But the Bucks offense was too much, uh, and the defense did just enough to scoop past – Washington, what was your takeaway from this game? Yeah, exactly, because she hit the nail on the head. Uh, Heineke, I mean, did all you really could. Um, I think the thing that uh, probably would have benefited Washington is if they could have got some pressure on the quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady had a clean jersey at the end of the day. (laughs) He was not hitting that turf at all. And so, I mean, when Tom Brady can just sit in the pocket and be able to pick you apart, it's not going to be a good day for you. And so he was definitely finding his targets, able to find the end zone a few times. 
And I think that was the key for why the Buccaneers were just a, a leg ahead. And like I said, man, it wasn't pretty by any means. I mean, the fact that they kind of didn't, you know, have such a dominating performance against a team like Washington, who's had injuries and has had, you know, ins and outs as far as quarterback position. But hey, I mean, like I said, in the first game with the Colts and the Bills, just survive in advance at this point and the Bucks, they will take the win and be happy to just continue on and keep their playoff hopes alive. But overall, I just wasn't really impressed with the Buccaneers. I think that they kind of just, you know, were able to, you know, get by, but we'll see how they do next week. Yeah. I mean, I'm for Washington. It's looking like they have a really promising future, but uh, so we'll see how they address the quarterback situation. Cause they're definitely going to look to build off this success from 2020. Yeah. Their defense definitely was impressive all year. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's going to be something that you can take away and go into for uh, the next season. And then we had the first game on Sunday. We had the Ravens versus the Titans, a rematch from last season. And the Ravens stepped up this game and they let their game do the talking and they got their revenge winning 20 to 13 Ravens defense shutting down King Henry, holding him only 40 yards, 2.2 yards per carry and zero touchdowns. And they held the Titans offense, the third best in the league to 209 yards. So it was very impressive by the Ravens defense and Lamar Jackson got the job done with his legs rushing for 136 yards and a touchdown. What was your takeaway from this game? Uh, my takeaway was uh, I was just curious because like I, I mean how are you feeling as far as like early on because you go down 10 nothing you know Lamar Jackson has had his struggles especially in the playoffs and especially coming from behind he really hasn't you know when he's faced deficits he especially double digit deficits you know he really hasn't been able to come back but like you know you go down 10-0 early like what were you what was going through your mind at that point? Well, the first thing that happened, I was like, here we go again. That was my first thought was, here we go again. Especially well, after the first interception, right? Yeah. I, well, first of all, that was a straight duck that he threw. <laughs> Lamar, I don't know what the hell he was looking at or what he was trying to throw at, but it was terrible. Um, making Malcolm Butler look like Patriots Day Malcolm Butler. It was all bad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just watching the game, first of all, it was a very stressful game to watch because – yeah, they went up 10-0, and then my whole thing was Greg Roman, the offense coordinator for the Ravens. I was just hoping and praying that he just sticks to the game plan and doesn't panic like he did last year and try to make Lamar throw 50 times yeah. and kind of just throw off the entire offense. So I think the fact that he stuck with his gut and he uh, he he ran the ball a lot and allowed Lamar to scramble a lot as well and get, those, get that 48-yard touchdown. So, I mean, I think the Ravens did – a great job defensively holding Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, but offensively there's a lot of stuff they need to fix for this upcoming week. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I feel like the Ravens definitely did a lot in order to win the game, but I feel like a lot can be, a lot can be said about the Titans. Cause I feel like uh, Lamar Jackson in some ways kind of gave you got, gave the Titans ample opportunity to go ahead and just go ahead and win the game. But then you look at the fact that like, Derrick Henry wasn't effective, yes, and I understand the Ravens were probably game planning for him and loading the box and not going to allow him to go off, but he only got like, I think, what, 13 touches this game, so I mean, he didn't get a whole lot of, yeah, he didn't get a whole lot of touches this game, and then you look at the fact that like Ryan Tannehill, one of the things that why I couldn't pick the Titans to win this game was because I knew, I just felt like they were going to force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball, and I felt like they were going to force this man to try and you know, be the guy. And he's, he's, he's to me, 
Alex Smith type level. He's he's a solid overall quarterback. You can rely on him throughout the regular season, but once you get into the playoffs, that's when, you know, and I I, I just felt like I couldn't necessarily rely on Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball a whole lot this game in order to secure the win for the Tennessee. And I think one of the things that they're going to have to maybe look at is, is this team good enough going forward? Because you already committed yourself to Ryan Tannehill with the contract that you gave him uh, in this past offseason and Derrick Henry. So, I mean, how much longer are, are the Titans going to trust Ryan Tannehill if he continues to not show up in the big games? Because he didn't show up against Green Bay. He doesn't show up in this game. So, I mean, like, how much longer are they going to be able to be okay with the fact that he's doing not, he's doing a good job, you know, got them into the playoffs. They won the division this year, but the leash is going to get pulled and reined at some point, and they're going to have to probably look at the quarterback position if he doesn't step up his play in the next year and they get another deep playoff run. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they address that in the off season, but I also just think this off season, they need to improve that defense. Cause yeah, they looked good against the Ravens, but other than that throughout the entire season, they've just been bad. And that's also why it was a huge concern for me for the Ravens is because this defense was fifth worst in the league and they held the Ravens to 20 points, but I'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, so I think defense and seeing what they do with Tannehill and how they can uh, better him in this offense is going to be a question in the off season. The afternoon matchup for Sunday, we had the Bears versus the Saints, the slime matchup on Nickelodeon, if you watched it on there. Um, and this game pretty much went according to plan, unless your name is Corey Johnson or you're a Bears fan. <laughs> the Saints won 21 to 9. Uh, Breeze and Michael Thomas were connecting like old times, and Kamara was running all over this Bears defense. And this Saints defense, they're scary. They're looking scary, and they have the ability to carry the Saints offense throughout the playoffs. So it'll be interesting. Um, but what was your takeaways from this game? Uh, yeah, just like you said, I mean, it was pretty much the Kamara and Thomas and Drew Brees show made it really look simple. Um, the one thing I could say positive about the Bears was the fact that they got that late Jimmy Graham touchdown at the end. That was nice. <laughs> Jimmy Grandpa with a one-handed snag. <laughs> yeah, nice. I mean, that was the only thing, positive thing I can really say. But other than that, I mean, Mitch is probably gone. Um, they're probably going to – you know, move on from him and they're probably going to be in search of a new quarterback and probably look to address the quarterback position. Um, my um, Nagy is definitely, if he wasn't on the hot seat before, he's definitely on the hot seat going into next season. And realistically, I think that the Bears are hoping and praying that, you know, they get off to a good start. But if they don't, I can definitely see them making a change there. But overall, I think that the Saints, um, they definitely surprised me in this one. And despite all the chaos that has gone through the Saints locker room, through uh, the the injuries or, you know, Breeze not being there, uh, Taysom Hill having to step in, they still are the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, lucky for them, you know, they didn't have any crazy flags get thrown. They didn't have any miracle plays happen. Not yet. And, and ultimately, they were able to, you know, get past wild card weekend. But I mean, we'll see what happens in the next round. Yeah. And like you said, the Bears, 
no more Trubisky. I don't think so. But they still got big Dick Nick, and I don't know if that's going to be suffice for this Bears team and uh, if Nagy is going to be returning. But I think also a big thing is Allen Robinson. He's going to be hitting free agency, and I think a lot of teams are going to be salivating at Allen Robinson this offseason. So it'll be interesting to see what Chicago does. And then we had the night matchup of Sunday, the craziest, matchup. craziest, massacre. <laughs> the craziest game of the wild card weekend. The Browns upsetting the Steelers in an absolute shootout, 48 to 37. The Browns only had one practice leading up to this game, and they, they won this. Coach from the sidelines. Yeah, they didn't even have their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, on the sideline and some of their assistant coaches as well. And they won the wild card game, which was their first playoff win since January 1995, which is 26 years. So we have some history being we, written with we the Bills not, and the we Browns. We were not born when the Browns last won a playoff game. So we got yeah. to see history. The Browns won a playoff game for the first time in my lifetime. <laughs> Same here. And I mean, the Browns, the defense showed out, forcing five turnovers. But the crazy thing is they still allowed 553 <laughs> offensive yards. So that's going to be a cause for concern going up against the Chiefs the next round. But Baker, Baker Mayfield and company had their way against the Steelers defense. I was dominant all season long. So what was your takeaways from this game? I really feel if it, I feel like the first quarter, like, pretty much set the tone for the entire game. The first play. Literally the first play. Yeah, the first play of the game set the entire tone. Also, the crazy thing is, so the first play offensive was an offensive snap that went over Big Ben's head for a defensive (laughs) touchdown. The odds for that was 2,800 to 1. Imagine. So if you put 10 bucks down, you're 28 grand in your pocket right there. Wow, that's crazy. Insane. Overall, I mean, this is – this. This is like you said, like this is exactly why I don't think anybody felt confident about the Steelers becoming Super Bowl champions. And this is exactly why I felt like this team definitely was a little too confident with that undefeated start. Then they started having a little bit of a tougher schedule. Reality kind of set in with them and teams kind of figured out the formula with this team and how to beat them. But this game, surprisingly, because they beat themselves, I feel. They beat themselves early on with the turnovers that did them no favor. Like, it's one thing that their defense couldn't get no stops. And, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Mayfield, they were doing their thing. And Jarvis Landry gets <laughs> gets one gets a catch and just literally just waltzes into the end zone past the defense. But overall, I just feel like, this all is what I've seen from the Steelers in past seasons. I mean, you look at what has been the be all end all with Pittsburgh and they just constantly, 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 when they get into the postseason and you expect them to do something, they fall short. I don't know if it's the mentality. I don't know if it's the coaching staff. I don't know if everybody just wants to, because everybody's going to blame big Ben. And it's not to say that he doesn't deserve blame. Cause I mean, the dude did play his role in <laughs> this loss, but it's the fact that they, they, this team is all talk, no, no, no bite. Like they just, they're like a dog that just barks nonstop and just annoys the you. Yeah, it doesn't bite. It doesn't do anything. It's not intimidating at all. So I mean, this has been the problem with the Steelers' culture, and I don't know. I obviously don't feel like Mike Tomlin deserves to get fired for this. 
But I feel like it's, this is going to come hard on his head and rightfully so, because I mean, when you allow a culture like this to continuously flourish, you allow the distractions to be made prominent. And that's what continuously people are going to always focus in on is the fact that Juju's more focused on doing TikTok challenges at the center of the field than focusing on the playoffs. I mean, I'm not, it's not an indictment on the man. I mean, he's going to do him. So, I mean, that's cool. But overall, it just shows the lack of maybe preparation, the lack of focus. And overall, I, I, I just have to say that the Browns, I'm not going to say that they didn't deserve this, but it would have been a lot intriguing to me if the Steelers would have been playing like they did from second quarter on instead of, you know, that first quarter. I feel like if that first quarter doesn't happen, then it would have been a, a lot more of a even keel game and the Steelers probably pull it out. But Hey, I mean, they play four quarters for a reason and the Browns kudos to them. They deserve the win and the Steelers ultimately got to go home. Yeah. The Pittsburgh frauds are going home. Tried to tell you this. Um, and also chase Claypool. <laughs> Do you see what he said on Twitter? Yeah. 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 Or sorry. It wasn't on Twitter. It was on live. He basically said that, you know, we lost, but the Browns are going to get beat by the Chiefs. And I just want to bring up his tweet that he had tweeted when they were undefeated. Yeah. He said, losing, never heard of that. And ever since then, they went one in five. Yeah. So, oh boy, yeah. not a I good mean, look. Like I said, man, it just seems like with the Steelers, they were enjoying the fact they were undefeated. They were winning. They were doing their thing. But they just didn't seem as if they were focused on Super Bowl aspirations like you know what I mean like there's a difference between a a good team and a great team because I guarantee you Bill Belichick is not allowing a player to get on live in the locker room like Antonio Brown did a few years ago right after a playoff win and Bill Belichick is not allowing TikTok challenges you know he's not he's not allowing that type of stuff to go on the locker room so I mean it's, it's I feel a cultural thing it's a difference and it's not to say that one's right, one is wrong. It's just that when one is in Belichick has multiple championships and the other in Tomlin only has one, I mean, the comparisons are always going to be made that he doesn't have his guys in check. And you see, yet again, in the postseason, they fall short with another surprising early exit. And I just keep thinking about, like, like why like like why and how did this happen but ultimately they get what they deserve yeah and honestly this offseason i think is going to be huge for the steelers i said this on twitter but i expect them to have a big one just because i think they're going to be figuring out their qb situation and Mm. big ben it has a 41 million dollar cap hit on the Steelers salary cap and if they release him or trade him they still incur a 22 and a half million dollar cap penalty so it'll be really interesting to see what they do especially since they have a lot of guys coming off the books this offseason so they have a lot of stuff they got to figure out with that team and maybe if they even trade for a quarterback a young quarterback Sam Darnold so we'll see (laughs) but ultimately shout out to the Browns Kudos on getting the playoff win. I was happy to see the Browns win for the first time ever in my lifetime in the playoffs. 
All right, let's move on. We got the divisional round coming up this weekend. We got on Saturday afternoon, we got the first matchup. We have the Rams versus the Packers. Rams might have to pack some warm clothes because they're not playing indoors anymore in L.A. They're going to be playing at Lambeau Field where it's going to be 20 degrees over there. So it's going to be damn cold over there. Packers are currently six and a half point favorites, but... All eyes are going to be on the stellar Packers offense versus the stellar Rams defense. And I think that's going to be a super fun matchup to watch. Rams might be banged up just because Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup are listed day to day. So they're questionable to play, which would be huge losses for the Rams team. But Sean McVay was asked about Aaron Donald and he says, unless homeboy doesn't have a limb missing from him, he's going to be playing. So Aaron Donald should be playing, but Cooper Cup, it's a knee injury, and he did tear his ACL two years ago. So that one's a little cause for concern. But get this. The Rams have only won once in the past 24 years at Lambeau Field. So that's Mm -hmm. a hell of a stat right there for you. But what are your thoughts, and who do you have winning this game? Um, I feel like, like you said, defense versus offense here. Um, The Packers obviously have Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers have had a week worse of rest. So the question I think is going to be like similar to that Steelers Browns game. I need to see what the the Packers look like on their first uh, couple opening drives. If they're looking like flat out the gate, didn't miss a beat, then this is going to be a long game for the Rams. If they come out the gate kind of flat, kind of slow, then the Rams should be definitely happy about that because that just means that they got a chance. I mean, if this game is nothing, nothing by the start of the second quarter, then I think that the Rams definitely are going to be happy about that because the defense is going to be the thing that is going to hopefully try to carry them to victory here. But ultimately I feel like the Packers are just going to be a little bit too much for them. And the fact that you, you know, mentioned about snowy conditions on the road, LA team in the snow. I mean, and just look at the the history, with, like, as far as, you know, the Rams going to Lambeau, like, that's, I don't know. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to yet again show why he's been having such a dominant season. He's going to be hooking up with his boy Tay-Tay, Devontae Adams. They're just going to be going off and going crazy. Um, I'm going to love to see the matchup between uh, Ramsey and uh, Adams, though. That should be very fun, very intriguing matchup there. But ultimately, I just feel like the Packers are going to, get by and whether it's uh six points i think it might be less than six points i say they win it by um i think that it'll be a field goal i think they win by a field goal so you're going rams plus six and a half yeah i'm taking the points there all right well i think well first of all it's the battle of the cal quarterbacks cal berkeley quarterbacks so Mm, it'll be interesting think about that didn't yeah But uh, I think the bar for the Packers offense to outscore the Rams offense is not high at all. (laughs) But I I definitely think it is going to be a defensive games, but the Packers ultimately win with or without uh, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup playing. Let's move on. We got the Ravens versus the Bills, the second matchup on Saturday evening. We could be in tune for a snowball in Buffalo. Temperatures are set to be 30 to 40 degrees with possible snow showers, which would be Lamar Jackson's first snow game. So it'll be very interesting. The Bills are currently two-point favorites, but this is pretty much the battle of the two best quarterbacks so far from that 2018 draft. And it could be this could set the tone for you know the future of the AFC. I mean, also you also have Patrick Mahomes, but I mean Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are right there. Um 
So it's basically two high-powered offense, both in their different ways, um, but they're probably going to be going blow-to-blow with one another. Could come down to which defense shows up to contain the opposing team. So who do you have winning, and what are your thoughts on this game? I have the Bills winning here. Um, I think that the biggest thing for the Bills is going to be how do you contain Lamar Jackson? Because you're not going to be able to stop him. I mean, just you just have to prevent him from going off and – I don't know, running like a 46 yard touchdown run. Like you can't, you can't let him just go ahead and just sprint and go crazy um, and just take off. I mean, as long as you uh, uh, put like a spy there and try to get like some pressure there, force him to be more of a thrower than a runner. Cause it's not to say, I, I hate when people say that Lamar Jackson can't throw cause he can throw and he has shown that he is, he can throw an accurate deep ball as well. I think the thing that will be interesting is with these con- snowy conditions and with uh, uh, them not being on the same page as last week, I'm curious to see what that Ravens offense is going to be looking like this week because they only, like you said, could score 20 points against a Titans team that was one of the worst defenses in the league. So going up against a slightly better defense in the Bills – I don't know, man. I feel like Josh Allen, he's got a lot of weapons to work with, especially that man, Stefan Diggs. And I feel like if those two can connect, it's going to be a long game for the Ravens. So I I think that with it being snowy conditions, I think this game is going to be close. But ultimately, I got the Bills winning by a touchdown. I mean, I have to go with my Ravens. There's no way I can go against my Ravens. But uh, there's a lot of plus and minuses that I kind of went over uh, against the Titans. First of all, I'm going to go against with the minuses. The offense was full of mistakes. Gave up four first-half sacks to a team that only had 19 sacks all season long. So they cannot afford to come out slow against this Bills team because they they have a high-powered offense. But the good thing that I took away was the defense looked amazing. They shut down the run and the second half, basically the Titans were non-existent, their offense. And uh, according to ESPN, the Bills and Titans were tied for the second most yards this season. So if they can do that to the Titans, they could possibly do that to the Bills. The only difference is the Titans did it through the ground where the Bills do it more through the air. Um, the part that does worry me the most is that the Titans, like you said, had the fifth worst defense and the Ravens only scored 20. The Bills have the 14th best defense. So Ravens cannot be uh, stale coming out the gates. And I think they're going to have to really re- Lamar Jackson's really going to have to set the tempo. And this run defense is going to have to set the tempo against this Bills defense um, in order for them to come out and win. All right, we got the next matchup. The first one on Sunday afternoon, we got the Browns versus the Chiefs. The Browns looking to continue their momentum from shocking everyone in the wild card. I mean, if the Browns put up 48 points on Pittsburgh with no head coach and missing assistant coaches, who's to say they can't upset the Chiefs? Maybe? I mean, if they did, if they do that, we have to maybe start looking at the Browns as going on possibly one of the craziest playoff runs Cinderella not only story. NFL, hey, not only NFL history, maybe sports history. That'd be like the craziest thing ever. 
it would be crazy. But right now, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites. Uh, some key starters like Mahomes, Tyreek Hills, they've had two weeks off, which is week 17, and then the wild card round. So there could be some rust to start the game. I don't know. And then mm-hmm. the big story is going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire to see uh, whether he will be good to go or whether it's going to be a Le'Veon Bell game because oh. there is a big difference between those two guys. Um, yes, but who do you have winning this game, Corey? I have to stick with my Super Bowl prediction. I'm going to go with the Chiefs beating the Browns. And it's only because I, I, I'm I'm really excited to see Mayfield versus Mahomes. Because the last time these two met, Kush, was back in college when Mayfield was with Oklahoma and Mahomes was with Texas Tech. And these guys combined to put almost over 100 points like I know it's Big Twelve and they play no defense in that uh, conference, but I was just these guys say that. <laughs> were going crazy and they put up so many pass attempts. I think Mahomes had over like fifty pass attempts that game. Now I'm not sure he's going to have fifty pass attempts this game, but I'm just looking forward to seeing what these two can do uh, in their first ever playoff matchup against one another. But I think that um, one of the key things is going to be. Um, can the Browns maintain that momentum that they had against Pittsburgh? Can they get those early turnovers? Because if they come out the gate like they did against Pittsburgh, then this could be a really interesting matchup because if they start out like at least 10-0 against the Chiefs, not to say the Chiefs can't win. It's just that it'll be interesting to see yet again whether or not Mahomes can bring back the Chiefs because we know we've seen him do it in the past. But I just think that um, two weeks is, is something that you have to take into consideration I don't think this is just going to be a waltz over game like a lot of people are expecting it to be. Um, I think that this is going to be a tough one. And I think that the Browns are not messing around here. But ultimately, I got the Chiefs winning by 10 points. So I think given with how hurt the Browns secondary is, there's no way that they'll be able to keep up with the Chiefs pass offense. I mean, the Browns, like I said before, you have 500 yards and four touchdowns and just passing to the Steelers. So I and that was against Big Ben. Mahomes is a completely different animal. So I think the Chiefs win. And I think the only way for the Browns to have a chance is if they match the Chiefs score, basically score to score. Mm-hmm. But um, also this run attack is they're going to have to lean heavily on this run attack and Baker Mayfield, because I think the duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt could be the best duo in the entire NFL. So it will be interesting to see how the Chiefs defense game plans for this Browns uh offense but i think the browns defense there's no way they're stopping Mahomes, tyree kill travis kelsey there's no way so to that's why fair, i have the chiefs winning a lot of people haven't been able to stop this <laughs> exactly yeah exactly so, there's a reason why they're super bowl favorites of course of course and then we got the second matchup on sunday afternoon the buccaneers versus Ooh. the saints this game will be televised on the history channel due to <laughs> brady versus breeze as brady announced on twitter but uh, the Saints beat the Bucks in the two regular season matchups very convincingly. Game one was week one. Saints beat them 34 to 23. And then game two, the Saints just demolished them 38 to three. The Saints are currently a three point favorite right now. Both teams are pretty evenly matched up offensively and defensively. I think the X factor for this game was which team could really control the tempo of this game with their rush attack. But Corey, who do you have winning this game? So, I don't know if you know this, Kush, 
but all time against Drew Brees, Tom Brady is two and five, which is something I did not know. And against New Orleans, Brady is four and three. But something that of is of note, Brady does not play well on the road in the postseason. I mean, I believe he's four and four all time. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that he throws a lot of interceptions when he's on the road. Now, that could be a factor of, you know, the crowd being there and not being able to, you know, get the signals and the plays and the, you know, the communication might be off, timing might be off, all that. But at the same time, New Orleans dominates when they're at home and they are one of the scariest teams that you have to play on the road. That's Superdome, man. That is no place that you want to go to. And especially when you consider the fact that they struggled defensively against a Washington football team that, that kind of posed, that kind of gives you a little bit cause for concern, but I think this is going to be a little bit of a shootout here. I think this is going to be tip for tap two of the greatest quarterbacks we will ever see that I personally have ever seen uh, going at each other and first time in the playoffs we've ever seen these two play against each other man I can't wait for it but ultimately I gotta say Kush I got to go with the Saints here because I just feel like although Brady it's hard for me to pick him to lose three straight times to the same opponent in the same season I, I, I got to go with Drew Brees and the Saints here because I feel like they definitely impressed me in their win against the Bears, which, again, ain't saying a whole lot because it is the Bears. But if they, you know, again, barring any miracles, barring any stupid pass interference, no calls or anything crazy from the referees, because we know the NFL referees love to do some crazy stuff. But barring anything stupid on Sunday, I got – the Saints winning, and I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Barring any unlucky penalties or <laughs> lack of penalties, I see the Saints pulling this one off. Uh, Ronald Jones may be able to go, may not be able to go. That'll uh, be a big story for the Bucks. but I just think the Saints defense will contra- contain Brady and the Bucks and allow the Saints to work their offense and work the clock and hold a lead uh, throughout majority of this game, and I see the Saints pulling off and going to the conference championship. All right, that wraps up the NFL. We got some NBA news, some pretty big news, actually. We have postponed games due to COVID. Six games in less than a month into the NBA season has been postponed. And this is due to the rapid increase of positive COVID cases in the NBA and teams having to rule out players due to health and safety protocols due to close contact or whatever the case may be. And, only four of these six games were postponed in just this past week alone. So it's coming out rapid. And I think it's especially after this holidays with uh, Christmas and new year's. And then um, in order for a team to forfeit, they have to have eight players on an active roster in order to play. So the fact that they don't have eight active players on a roster, they cannot play and have to forfeit. And then we had the new, some new rules coming to the NBA with the, the COVID-19 spike. And in short, basically the players are not allowed to leave their homes, hotels, rooms, unless it's for practice or essential activities. Players are no longer allowed to have guests in their hotel rooms on the road, which I don't know why this rule wasn't implemented in the first place. (laughs) I don't know why this wasn't implemented like after the whole bubble. Exactly. Exactly. 
And then players' time close to each other have been limited, which is a question mark. I don't know how <laughs> you're going to mandate this as much. But pregame meetings in the locker room can no longer be than 10 minutes. I guess you have someone to stopwatch right there, <laughs> basically. Like, okay. 10 minutes <laughs> break. And then uh, players and coaches must be wearing masks at all time unless they're playing, obviously, or they immediately exit the court after playing. And then players can only fist or elbow bump opposing players pre and post games. So no more hugging because when Tatum hugged Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal had to be quarantined just because of that. So what are your thoughts on all this, on these new rules, on the postponement of the game and just the NBA in general right now? Well, I mean, we said it uh, like prior to the season starting that it would be a lot more difficult for the NBA to get this done just because of how rapid games are coming quick and fast. And if one guy tests positive, then that kind of screws it up for like everybody else and not just for his teammates or for his team, but it screws it up for their opponents and the whole like next couple of games, because you don't know, is there an outbreak? You don't know like who is in close contact. You have to come up with, you know, isolation and all that good stuff. And we've already seen, like you mentioned with Tatum, um, the Celtics barely had like eight players. Like there's just been the Sixers early on this season. They barely had uh, eight players on their roster for a, a, a short period of time. So, I mean, this, this is not something that you want to see if you're the NBA. And unfortunately there's no, it's kind of late in the game to start like, trying to counteractive what you already are doing because it's not like you can just be like okay well we're gonna go back to that bubble idea because it's kind of hard to get 30 teams in a bubble whereas it was a lot easier when you had the bubble of last year because a lot of people were saying like why don't they just go back to the bubble idea well it's different when you have more teams you have more players you have more like uh you're more susceptible to contracting the virus at that point but I don't know. I don't know. Cause I feel like a lot of players, they have mixed feelings about the bubble, whereas it was great that they were able to, you know, get the season finished and over with on the same token, you know, you hear from like players like LeBron and AD and a lot of high profile players said, if you weren't in the bubble, if you didn't experience the bubble, you didn't know what it was like. And you didn't know how not only frustrating, but how fatiguing it was because all you could really do was hoop and go back to your room. Like you couldn't really do a whole lot because there wasn't anything to do. You couldn't see your family. You, you know, it was just, you were limited in what you could do. And as, you know, creatures of habit as athletes are, it's kind of hard to, you know, get into your routine of things and, you know, be mentally prepared and be mentally, you know, focused when, you, your, your, your routine is all messed up and you're not in the comfort of your own home your own, and not being able to see your family and loved ones. So um, I feel like the NBA is going to have to probably come a little bit harder than what they've been doing because we really haven't seen a whole lot as far as um, suspensions. Whereas, you know, I, I think that's what it's going to have to take us guys are still going to go to the club. Guys are still going to do them. Guys are still going to be out here, you know, maskless doing their thing. And I mean, like, it's, it's, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm just pointing out that like, Hey, you're in a working environment where one person screws up. It kind of messes it up for everybody else. So that's something that you kind of have to think about. And not only that of just messing it up, 
but you have to also think about you're putting people's lives also at risk if you're doing that. So, I mean, hey, to each their own, but personally, I think that this is going to come down to personal responsibility. And when that happens, then and you're leaving it up to chance, then these things like we're seeing are going to happen where guys are going to, you know, contract the virus and teams are going to have to postpone games. Yeah, and some of those people are about the guy we're about to talk about next, which is Kyrie Irving, who's apparently been missing in action. He's missed his fourth straight game, which was Tuesday night after being away from his team for quote-unquote personal reasons. And this is after a video surfaced on social media of Kyrie maskless at his sister's birthday party at a club or a lounge, wherever they were. And there was more than 15 people there. So the NBA is now reviewing this to see whether they're going to take actions. But I mean, it's not a good look for Kyrie. It's not a good look for the Nets and not a good look for the NBA. And the crazy part is, is that there's no timetable. The Nets don't even know a timetable for when Kyrie will return. And I know you've been preaching this since the preseason about that this was this was going to happen it was only due time and we're not even a month into the season and it's already happening the good thing though is that they have kd they still have kevin durant so i mean like you know it's no worries and it's still regular season now this was the postseason man yo i think a lot more people would be a lot more upset at Kyrie if this was like the playoffs or if this was like um conference finals or something like that and Kyrie had to like isolate or something like that he couldn't go for the series or something like that had to miss like a couple weeks um before the series started I think people would definitely be upset but Kyrie's a guy who I told you this and I've said this nonstop. he's a guy that could retire tomorrow and I wouldn't be surprised that this man was already announcing his retirement he could leave the NBA at any point in time. And I think nobody would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe Kyrie uh, retired. It's like Kyrie be- moves to the beat of his own drum. He does his own thing. He has his own beliefs, his own uh, 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 you know, way of life. And on, one, on, and on just a, a man-to-man perspective, I respect that. I, you, know, I, you know, I give kudos to him for, for being his own man. But on... The other end of it, if I was his teammate, I'd be like, damn, dude, like, <laughs> like I thought you said you was focused on winning. <laughs> like, I thought it was the whole point. Like, I thought you said you was trying to be focused on, you know, go- coming out here and playing. But, I mean, hey, like I said, Kyrie, he'll say one thing. Like, he told Boston, hey, I want to have my jersey in the Raptors. I want to be here. And then what'd he do? He went over and signed with the Brooklyn Nets. So, I mean, Kyrie, you can't believe what Kyrie says. Because he'll say one thing, but he'll do another thing. He's very Machiavelli like that. So you just have to keep in perspective that this is Kyrie Irving. This is nothing new. This is nothing out of the ordinary. And like I said, he's going to move to the beat of his own drum. And as long as it doesn't lead to anybody, you know, contracting the virus or having to miss a high substantial amount of games, then I think that the Nets are going to be like, hey, we still got one of, if not possibly the best point guard in the NBA right now. So, hey, it is what it is. Man, can you imagine if this team actually went out and added James Harden to this team on top of all that? <laughs> like, oh, man, it, it's crazy. You have Spencer Dinwiddie going down. You have Kyrie, MIA. KD's having a quarantine. He's back now, though. But 
I mean, for the Brooklyn Nets, it's just a roller coaster of a season for them. Hopefully, and I, and I said that was going to be the thing. That was one of the reasons why I was kind of like iffy about how they would be. Now, it's not that's that's not to say that they're a bad team. A lot of people, I think, misconstrued what I was saying. I'm not saying that this is a bad team on paper. Damn, bro, like this is a 2K team, like on paper, like this is a god squad, like this is like yo Kyrie, KD, and then you throw in the guys who had the experience in the playoffs already with Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Spencer Dinwiddie before he got injured. I mean, like this team on paper is like yo, this is OP. They should just run through the East, but you have to take it. That was the caveats. Oh, yeah, you have to always take in consideration the personalities. Also, I was like, you know, first-year coach with Steve Nash, and the coaching staff of Steve Nash is just so funny. Mike D'Antoni, Amari Stoudemire. And it's that fact, basically that whole Suns team. The fact he wanted Dirk on that team as well with the as an assistant coach would have been so hilarious. I would have loved to see Dirk on the sidelines, but didn't happen. But ultimately, I just felt like this team was going to have its ups and its downs, not as far as on the court um necessarily i felt like that was going to happen just because they would need time to flow and gel with each other and that would take time ultimately but i felt also off the court you would see some issues occur and i told you i'm still waiting for it to happen i'm waiting for that report to drop where kyrie Irving's gonna cuss out steve nash at some point in practice at some point in a game i'm just waiting for him to go off on steve nash and, and be like yo kyrie yo what's going on so Look, is this is just another chapter and a very early, early tale of the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets season. I can't wait to see what the rest of the book is going to look like. Yeah. In the, in the meantime, the Nets are seventh in the Eastern Conference. Six and six right now. It's really early. Kevin Durant, who just got back from quarantine, like I said, almost had a 34-point triple-double against the Nuggets. So, I mean, it's good to see that KD's back at least and hasn't taken a step back at all. So, the Nets are still going to be killer with uh, or without Kyrie Irving. But other than that, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Nose Please, We appreciate y'all for listening. And as always, make sure you guys are following us on social media, on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram, The Nosebleeds, and on Facebook, the nosebleeds podcast and make sure if you guys are listening on the apple podcast spotify shoot us that five star rating write a review if you're feeling generous really really helps us out Corey, any last words uh just again y'all just keep staying safe um i know there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world early on 2021 i know a lot of crazy things have already happened 2020 working just, overtime right now guys just hey i mean i know some people are already calling this 2022.0 but hey just chill out, just relax, just focus on what you can control instead of what you can't control. Make sure you're staying safe out there. Make sure you're doing your best out there and just make sure that you guys are enjoying the sports and the entertainment, man. And also make sure you tuning in and listening to the nose, please, because we here for y'all, man. We here to connect with y'all and we here to talk sports with y'all. So yeah, we all here for each other. Yes, sir, exactly what Corey said. Other than that, we are out, deuces.